welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Well, it's good to be with you again. Uh, and in this in-between Sunday, between Christmas and New Year's, uh, in the wake of Christmas, in the wake of Incarnation, uh, we want to think about uh, what Advent has been leading us into. Advent, remember, is this season of slowing, and we have taken this opportunity over the last several weeks to consider how folks who have been formed in a kingdom understanding as disciples of Jesus understand the uh, reality that we live in. We started off by reflecting on how generosity is greater than scarcity or hoarding, how um, joy is more greater than just feeling good, how uh, hope is greater than despair, and how peace is greater than anxiety, greater than fear. And today we want to consider love, kind of the fourth word typically in the Advent series, but I think it's just ideal to consider this in the wake of the greatest expression of love the world has ever known, where God came and dwelt among us, set aside all of the things that marked him, that empowered him, if you will, as God, and became a human being, and not just any human being, a tiny baby dependent on a 15, 16-year-old girl to keep him alive. Oh, what is that love greater than? And the short answer is everything. That's what God is counting on in this age of pandemic. That's what God is counting on in this age where nothing is the way it has ever been before. Uh, this love greater then everything is what will realign the universe back into the form that God originally designed it for. And here's the problem. As soon as we use the word love, we go Hallmark movies, Lifetime movies, we you know, go the cards, we go Valentine's Day, we go pat you on the head, it'll be all right in the morning, oh, it'll be all right, nothing matters. And the truth is that kind of love will not be helpful in this moment that we're living in. Fortunately, love is deeper and more robust and richer and stronger than our trivializations of it. It invites us to consider in this dark and difficult and painful season that love might be enough, and in fact, not just enough, but love might be the only thing that is enough for this moment. Clearly not the love that uh, we celebrate on all of those things that I mentioned, maybe the romance at the beginning of a marriage isn't enough to get you to your 50th wedding anniversary. It's that love that I'm talking about, not the launch velocity of romance, but the grit, the determination, the persistence through pain that gets you to 45 and 50 years down the, down the road. 
not the love that pats you on the head and pretends it'll be okay in the morning, but the love that sits with you through the dark and lonely and difficult and painful night. The despair, the disappointments, the frustrations, even the fear. It takes the battering of the storms that threaten us. Love that sits with us in the middle of all of this. And I think it's probably important to say it is that love that is what drove the incarnation. That understanding that continues to drive incarnation today. Because I think one of the points that I want to make here is that if incarnation is just a moment in time in history that we celebrate on December the 25th, it is probably not going to be useful for the moments that we're living in. We need an incarnation that is ongoing, that is a rolling incarnation, and that becomes also embodied in the ways that we live today. We will discover, I think, that incarnation is not about Jesus coming to rescue us, to get us out of this mess. Incarnation is Jesus, God, coming to be with us in the mess. Less about rescue and more about presence. That's what he had in mind when we think about this incarnational love. Probably the most famous of all of the verses that we memorize. John 3, 16 and 17 gives us the rationale for Christmas, for incarnation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever would believe into him would not perish, but would have the life of the age to come. Because God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Him. We could spend all of our time on those two verses, and that would be a worthwhile use of our time. It begins with this central element that God's love is what drove the incarnation. God's love is what drove the coming of Jesus to the earth for purpose uh, and, and, and invites us to um, ex that, that same love that was expressed in creation now comes to, to, to realign creation uh, from its places of brokenness, to redeem creation from having gone sideways as a result of our rebellion. God is of such a kind. Remember, John will also tell us that God is love, which means that God is unable to act in any way other than in love. Now, we might not always experience it as love because we get sideways and we, we experience the love of God as oppositional to our purposes. But God is unable, if I can use that language carefully and respectfully, to act in any way other than in love because he is love. When God speaks, it is love that speaks. When God acts, it is love that acts. So this is a relentless, persistent pursuit of the things that are true and right and good and opposition to the things that are not. 
So we may not experience this love of God as compliant because it seeks to redeem and restore the alignment that has gotten knocked out of of place as a result of our rebellion against love. Because that really ultimately is what we call sin actually is. It's a misdirection, a perversion of love. So love drives the incarnation to realign us, to come to us, one believer at a time, if you will, because this, the, 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 this love will not force itself. This is the nature of love. It won't force itself on anyone. So you and I have the option of believing into this love, into this reality, and experiencing not condemnation, but redemption, transformation. And, 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 and please notice, the Son of God, it says in here, did, did not come into the world to condemn the world, to, 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 to bowl the world over in a display of power to fix everything that was broken. Love doesn't work that way. Love seeks redemption to save the world. And the truth is that love is the only way by which the world will be saved because it is love that has been most violated in the world's needing to be saved. Again, incarnation is not about rescue. It's not about condemnation to fix things. It is about presence. Remember that we are not punished for our sins. We are punished by our sins. The verse next goes on to make the point that he doesn't need to condemn the world. The world is already condemned. It's already in the backwash of rebellion. Love comes to realign us to rightness, to be with us in the pain of our consequential outcomes. But he doesn't come just to get us out of the mess. He doesn't come just to rescue us one believer at a time. He comes because he has a strategy for the reconciliation of all things. And so another passage that we want to look at very briefly is 1 John, where John again makes the case that God's love for the world, for us and for we who believe into it, is intended now to shape our love for the world. Listen to what he says, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 14. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is what love is like. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us, and this is how we know we live in him. 
and He in us. He's given us His Spirit. And so we see, we testify that Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. You see the strategy that is unpacked here. God so loved the world. We who are believing into that now become the containers, the recipients, not for our own benefit, but so that His love might be in us. Just think about that for a moment. The very love that spoke the universe into being is made full, made complete in us. Guess what else is made complete in us when we allow that love, when we stand in the reality of that love? We are made complete. How do we know? Well, we act the same way towards others as He has acted towards us. We love one another. And in so doing, we bear witness, we bear testimony to the outrageous reality that God is not angry and hateful towards the world. He is oriented towards the world in love. The deep tragedy of recent days is that the world doesn't believe it because of the way we who are supposed to be characterizing love view them, treat them, regard them. It's not a good thing when survey after survey indicates that the view the world, I'll just catchphrase that, has of the church is that the church views them in negative terms. They're intolerant of people. Um, we want to be thinking very carefully about whether we're doing justice to the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts, in our treatment of folks with whom we disagree, with whom we are misaligned politically, who we don't understand their lifestyle. Remember, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Guess what? That means we don't get to go into the world to condemn the world either. He came into the world to love the world to life. And we who are the recipients of that love now become the, the ambassadors of that transformative love to embody and express God's love for them in our love for them. So this love incarnate in us, lived out, becomes a means of testimony. It becomes the way Jesus will tell us this over and over again. This is how the world's going to know that you've been with me. This is how the world's going to know that I came, Jesus said, from the Father, that you guys love one another. How are we doing on that, brothers and sisters? How are we doing on that? That's taken a hit this year, hasn't it? It's not just that we are aligned or misaligned in condemnation to the world. It's that we can't even get along with our brothers and sisters who believe into the same love that we do. Brothers, sisters, it ought not be so. When we look into the church, when the world looks into the church, they ought to say, wow, those people are really, really different one from the other. And look, 
They love one another. Are you starting to get the strategy that God has in mind to save the world? We wonder how in the world in this age of partisan division is the world going to be saved? Is the world going to be realigned? In this age in which we can't even agree on what is true, in this age in which reality seems up for grabs, in this age in which everybody brings their own facts to a conversation. It's not enough to have differing opinions. We now have differing facts. We can't even agree on reality. What hope is there? Love is greater. Love is greater than even this divide. Because it says, you and I are going to disagree about a lot of things. You and I might be on opposite sides of any given issue. But I'm going to treat you the way God has treated me. The first thing I need you to know about me is that I've been loved by God. And the first way you're going to know that I've been loved by God is that I love you. That I, that I work and wish for your good that I'm not opposed to you as person, that I will, I will talk with you as loved ones. I'm thinking that might make a difference in how we orient ourselves, even post-Christmas season, heading into this next moment. Um, But let's get down to the nitty-gritty. <laughs> what exactly <laughs> is this love greater than? Fortunately, the Apostle Paul gave some thought to this. And inspired by the Holy Spirit, in Romans chapter 8, he wrote these words. What are we going to say? Verse 31, in response to all of these things, chapter 8, if God is for us, if God is for us, what, who can be against us? He didn't, he didn't spare his own son. He gave us up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. So. Who condemns? No one. Christ who died? No. More than that, who was raised to life, is now at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. So, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble? Hardship? Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. As it is written, it is for your sake that we face death. All day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 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 no. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death 
nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love is greater than everything. That these things that Paul unpacks here in Romans 8, suffering, betrayal, catastrophic loss of income, the world seeming to collapse socially and geopolitically around them. And folks were wondering, what in the world does this demonstrate? Does it demonstrate that God has abandoned us? Does this demonstrate that we've gotten this wrong? Does this demonstrate that we have missed the point? And Paul says, no, 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 no. This, this is our participation, our joining in on God's plan to save the world. It is our carrying in some measure even the sufferings of Christ. In all of these things, that's where that passage comes from. We are more than conquerors. The church is not here to be rescued, much less protected. If we're going to save the folks who are drowning in despair, we have to be in despair with them, just like Jesus who came to us in our despair came to be in it with us. Love is greater than everything. In all of these things, these challenges, difficulties, darkness, despair, disappointment, depression, all of these things, love will ultimately triumph. Why? Because this is the DNA of the universe. It cannot help but triumph because over all of the ways in which the universe has gotten broken as a result of our rebellion. Because we have been loved, we can love. And as we love, we will likely face perhaps the same rejection as that which broke the universe in the first place, but which will not ultimately triumph. Remember, back before we started this uh, Advent conversation, we were in the book of Revelation, which makes the point over and over and over and over and over and over again that love will triumph. And it is this kind of love, this kind of transformative, this kind of enablement to survive, this kind of transformational love. He says it's even more powerful than death. Any love that can overcome and triumph and transform death, I think it's good enough for the end game. The kind of love that empowers us for reality in this lingering darkness, that cracks open our superficial securities, this desert, this crucible moment that we're in where the temperature is rising and the pressure is increasing. I'm sure you feel it as I do. And we need to be very candid about this, friends. We are not at the end of this. A, a vaccine doesn't fix what has been broken in this last few months. Pandemic is prelude. We're in for some challenging times ahead. 
at virtually every level. You've got to decide where you're going to put your money, where you're going to put the investment of your life. For me, I'm counting on love as a redemptive, as the only redemptive capacity, rigorous enough for the moment we live in. This hard present moment, this desert crucible, this darkness, love is the only thing that has capacity for it. Because what love does is discover treasures in the darkness. Something is being worked in the darkness that could not be worked in the daylight. Love grows in the dark. And as corny as it sounds, love glows in the dark. Why? Because there's other folks in the dark with us who have no light, but who will be drawn to the safety of love light in us. Love is greater than everything. Let's pray. Oh Lord, uh, as we sit in this deep shaping reality, we feel the pressure and feel the cracking of our superficial securities. And we recognize, O Lord, that this is necessary to allow the emergence, the growth to maturity of our being formed to Christ-likeness. We want to love as you have loved. I pray, O Lord, for courage, because to be loved this way is very costly and prelude to loving this way. Give us courage. I pray, and capacity for this moment, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless your friends. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.